This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Final segment of the Jeff Merrick Show. Matt Marchese in for Jeff. He'll be back on Friday. No show tomorrow. Blue Jays baseball. That means summer's coming, right? I think. Hopefully. Elliot Freeman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts joining me on the line. Hello, Elliot. How are you today? Wait, I got a day off tomorrow? Yes, you do. Actually, yes, you do. I mean, we can still call you if you want, but there just won't be an interview. I've never been so excited in my life. This is the greatest day of my life. Oh, maybe tomorrow will be the greatest day of my life. (laughs) Hold on a second. You were in Florida a couple weeks ago. That was pretty good. Okay. Yes. That wasn't bad. And then Dallas Mm -hmm. and then Vancouver and then Dallas. Okay. That's enough of Elliot's travel schedule. Um, okay, I wanted to uh, I wanted to talk to you about Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So last night, uh, monster night, five points. Uh, Oilers beat yep. Vegas, a big game. He's up to ninety six points on the season. Uh, uh, firstly, a trivia question for you: Do you remember the last trio of teammates that had a hundred points in the same season? The last trio of teammates with a hundred points in the same season. Mm-hmm. Good trivia question. I had to do use work. up one of my thoughts this week. I, I had, like this. I had to do work last night to, to prepare for this, so I'll give you a hint. Uh, I'll give you a okay, hint. It was ninety-five, ninety-six. Well, I was gonna say, I, like, that's got to be Lemieux, Yager, and I'm trying to think of who the third would be. Was it? Was Ron Francis still there? Then? It, it was Ron Francis. So that was the last time that three teammates had a hundred points. Now I was also trying to figure out the last time that three teammates finished one, two, three in scoring and Nugent Hopkins has some work to do. Uh, but that yeah. was, that was in 86, 87, the Oilers. Okay, so that's, that's gotta be, yeah. that's gotta be Gretzky Curry. And I would assume at that time, I think coffee's gone by then. Right. So I'm, is, so is coffee still there? Or is it messy? It was messy. He was actually tied okay. for third. So if you wanted to go back in the time machine, for a team that had one, two, three clean, it was the Bruins in 70, 71. Uh, they actually had the top four scores. They had that Esposito. Would be Esposito yep. or yep. Ken Hodge and mm-hmm. Johnny Busick. That a boy. Look at you, eh? I've already and done. Now, wait a second. <laughs> this is perfect. Why do you think I'm still asking you these questions? I'm writing this down. You got 31 more for me? No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, so who was tied? What team? Because I'm going to try to guess the player. What team was tied for third with Messier? That one I have to. You? It was it was like 107 points. So um, hold on. As I this is like Jeff always says, this is great for radio. I think it was Lemieux actually. Uh, Yes, it was Lemieux. He had 170 107 points in 63 games. Messier had 107 in 77 games. That would have been Mario Lemieux's 21 aged season. So there you go. Little bit of trivia for you. Start well, today. Tri- thank, like I said, hey, Matt, you, you did some work for me today. It's about time you did something useful. Honestly. Um, sp- so, speaking of useful, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I did not have him uh, playing third fiddle on my bingo card for the Oilers this year. But, you know, the previous career high was 69 points. And now we're talking about, I mean, this isn't the, pl- maybe it was the player that people thought that we were going to see when he was drafted first overall. But, as much as I do want to give Ryan Nugent Hopkins credit for, for a lot of this because, hey, he's the one who's doing it, I do feel like some credit should go to Jay Woodcroft and, and him putting in putting Nugent Hopkins in situations where he can thrive offensively, which he's done in spades this year. Well, you know, I... I <laughs> excuse me, guys. 
I think the one thing that should be, you know, shouldn't be forgotten is that Nugent Hopkins is is a hell of a player. Um, you know, that's number one. This is a, undoubtedly a career year for him. Uh, you're right about Woodcroft. He's put him in situations where uh, he can be successful. I think that the other thing too is I, I I think the one thing that has really been understood there for all three of those guys is, you know, the flexibility of the roster, the fact that. You know, one of the reasons I, I think they were looking, like they were in on Patrick Kane for a little while, obviously they didn't get him. And I think one of the reasons they really wanted that was so that they could have McDavid and Dreisaitl play on different lines in the playoffs. and Or sort of on the same line, excuse me, the same line in the playoffs. And then they could have another line that could score. And, you know, I think that's one thing that they really want, is they really want the flexibility of, we want to be able to split McDavid and Dreisaitl up if we want, and then we want to have the ability to play them together if we want. And one of the biggest issues they've had with playing them together is that, you know, you don't get enough offense anywhere else. Well, now, you know, Zach Hyman has come. He's made a huge impact there. Um, you know, Evander Kane has come. He's made a huge impact there. Uh, you know, Nugent Hopkins having the year he's having, I, I think it's given them the availability and the option uh, to do that. The other thing I'm really happy about for Nugent Hopkins just personally is spent a lot of time there. And there's been a lot of turmoil, a lot of ups and downs. I remember a few years ago in Chicago, we did a podcast interview with him. And one of the things he talked about was how many different coaches he had. And, you know, just how hard that is to be a consistent player when you have the constant turnover. And he stuck through it. He's basically grown up before our eyes in an order uniform. And by the time he's done at the end of this contract, he could be the highest, the, the most, the most games played in Oiler history, which is really saying something considering all the great players who've been through there. Yeah, he's he's had such a, an incredible impact, and and when you look at that that forward group, like I I keep coming back to this with the Oilers, it's it's been the same story seemingly for a while, and that I like a lot of parts of their team. I I can't wait to see what Leon Draisaitl is going to do with two good legs in the playoffs. Uh, and then what Connor McDavid's uh, repeat performance looks like. But I always come back to it with the Oilers, the same question. I just don't know if they're going to be able to keep the puck out of the net. Like, I know they won 7-4 last night, but they still allowed four goals. And it was Mark Spector that had a had a tweet about how many goals that they give up. And, and basically, they're not in good company in terms of winning playoff series because of how many goals that they give up. This was the thing that that, you know, was Ken Holland's baby that he needed to fix. And we're still here now. Do you have confidence in this goaltending tandem in the playoffs? Because I know I don't. Um, let me ask you something, Matt. Yes. How many, how many goaltending tandems do you look at in this league right now and say, I, I think that I, I'm 100% convinced that team's going to be okay? Let me look at the let me look at the standings here. So I actually just talked to Billy Jaffe. So the Bruins would absolutely be one of them because those well, two yes, guys are fantastic. Yes. Uh, I'm fine. Yep. I'm fine with. I mean, I'm fine with the Rangers because they have Shesterkin. I'm fine with yep, the Islanders because true. they have Sorokin. Um, Colorado true. proved that they can win without elite goaltending last yeah, year. Yeah, but you're so. still not looking at them and saying, you know, like you, if you like, if you respect Colorado, you respect them because they're a great team, but their goaltending doesn't scare you. Like, but, like if you take a look at the league this year, we're looking to have the highest save, sort of the lowest save percentage in 20 years, mm-hmm. right? And there's a reason for that because I think the true stud number ones and the dynamite tandems, you know, they, they're, they're, they're fewer than ever. 
Like, okay, I, I look through the East. Uh, I feel confident in Boston. I feel very confident in Tampa. I think it's the thing that makes you the most nervous if you're the Maple Leafs. Yes, you believe in the Rangers and the Islanders, but like on some of these other teams, Carolina, Jersey, you know, Toronto, Pittsburgh, um, you know, you're kind of looking at their situations and you're like, hmm, like is this going to be the unraveling of a really good team? And I look at the West, I, I, I like Dallas a lot, um, and I look at a bunch of those other situations. I, and I like Winnipeg a lot. I really like Hellebuck if they get in. But how many of those other situations, like Colorado, great team, you know, are you sure about the goaltending? Um, Edmonton, Vegas with all the injuries, um, you know, even Minnesota. Like like some of these teams, like the Kings even, you know, Corpus Allo has stabilized them, but does he does he really strike fear into your heart? Um, like I, th- I see a lot of teams this year where their way to win the Stanley Cup is going to be our goalie makes one more save than the other guy, and that's our key to winning. And I think Edmonton is one of those teams. I really like Skinner. I think he's done a really nice job for them. Look, I've watched Campbell all year long in his struggles. Um, would I be concerned about that? Yes, I absolutely would. But I don't know that Edmonton is substantially worse than a bunch of the other teams in the Western Conference. Yeah, you know, your point, it's, you're, what you, basically what you said is it's a tire fire out there. Um, which no, I, which I, I don't agree with. Fire fire. It's close. Tire fire is is what's going on in some of those other teams. <laughs> so okay, so I found the stat. So the Oilers are uh, before last night's game. They were allowing three point three two goals per game. No team has won the Stanley Cup with a, a number that high since the ninety two ninety three Canadians, and they were at three point three three. So there you go. And That's they, your and stat. They had, they had one of the best goalies ever. Yeah, they did. That is for sure. Well, I mean, goals were. Goals were at a not at a premium those years. Uh, it, feel, no. it feels like everybody could score. Um, yeah, it's a different game. Yeah. So okay. So I wanted to I wanted to touch on uh, Pittsburgh last night. Uh, I will get to Derek Lalonde's reaction because that was fantastic. But you know, you, you guys talked about it yesterday. That was a game Pittsburgh needed to have. Detroit's got a bunch of AHL call ups. They're banged up. Nadelkovich is in net. I know it's a road yep. game for Pittsburgh, but I mean, it's last night felt like a microcosm of their season in that. They're not quite good enough on some nights, and they can't get a save when they desperately need it. I think the whole bottom end playoff race in the East and West is fascinating, Matt. Like, there's like, to me, Pittsburgh, they should be in the playoffs and clear. And, and Winnipeg, I think, should be in the playoffs and clear. But they can't knock these teams out. They keep letting all of these teams off the mat. And, you know, you know, Pittsburgh's been very lucky that Florida struggled as much as it has because the other thing here is that the Panthers have a big lead and a tiebreaker on them. So Pittsburgh has to beat Florida outright. They can't afford to tie. Um, you know, that game last night, and, and I, it, like we just talked about it with the goaltending. You know, uh, you know Jari's been hurt. Um, DeSmith, he's given them some big nights, but he hasn't given them enough of them. Um, that's a night where all you need is your, like, if you score four goals in this league, you should win. Mm-hmm. You should. And that's a night where you just need your goalie to be one save better than the guy at the other end of the ice. And, you know, like, 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 you know, I'm watching, I'm watching Winnipeg right now. And I think, and I really think Winnipeg guys should win the best. I know not everybody agrees with me on this, but 
I think Hello Bucks should win the Vesna this year, especially if they get into the playoffs. Like last night, Winnipeg had some glorious chances late in that game, and and Reimer just had one of those nights where he was a couple saves better than the other guy, and that's what you to win in this league. That's what you need. You have to be like that. And um, Pittsburgh hasn't had enough of those nights for sure. Okay, I needed to get to the Derek Lalone reaction because I mean, yeah. last night it was. Listen, it was a bit of a disaster that that non-call or call or whatever you want to call it the challenge you know isn't successful and and his reaction was and i i agree with it what the bleep is goaltender interference when you watch it again jason zucker does not touch the puck he literally he jams his stick into the pad of nadelkovich who in turn has to put the puck over the line because well he can't stop himself my concern is that that maybe sets a precedent for what is and what isn't goaltender interference at a time where when a lot of goals are scored in the playoffs, they're scored from right around that area. And there could be some questionable calls to which could change the, the, the face of a series. Am I reading into this a little bit too much? And what did you think of the no. reaction from Lalone? Well, first of all, I had no problem with the reaction. I thought it was very entertaining. And if I was in his shoes, I probably would have reacted the same way. So I like I had no problem with the reaction. Look, we complain our sport is too boring and nobody shows any personality. I say this all the time. We can't complain that nobody shows any personality. And then when Lalonde shows personality, uh, you're gonna start ripping him. Nah, like I I got no problem with that. You know he 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 was mad. He was pissed off. He said what he had to say. By the way, I was watching the highlights this morning on our show. And I loved instead of the swearing, they put an octopus over his mouth on the Sportsnet uh, <laughs> channel. I thought that was, I mean, firstly, like for me, who cares? Just put the swearing up there. But I, if you're going to change it, I thought that was very creative. Um, you know, I, I got no problem with his reaction. He got a penalty, he took the penalty, and, and that's just the way it is. I, I, I probably would have been mad too. I, I you know, I, I don't know what to think about this call, honestly. Like, to me, it was goaltender interference. When I saw it, I thought it was goalie interference for sure. Um, you know, the only thing that made me wonder is, was the puck in the net before Zucker pushed the pad? Um, you know, I, I still haven't seen, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I was looking last night. I never saw an explanation, so I have to double-check if it's there. But, like, the one thing that I, 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 I wondered if the puck was in the net already by the time he pushed the pad. I still haven't been able to really tell that clearly. But I thought it was goal interference, but I will say this. There is a video coach I ask all the time on this stuff, and he thought it, it was not. And I was like, really? He goes, no, I, I don't think that's goal interference because I've seen calls like that where they call it a goal. And I said, okay. But to me, I thought it was goal interference unless the puck was already in the net. Yeah, I just, I mean, like you said, I haven't seen that replay. I know they have different replays than what we have, but to me, if, I, if you're if you're pitchforking a goalie to push the puck over the line, that can't be a goal because now you've opened well, up Pandora's I, box. That's what I agree. Like, I, I'm with you, Matt. Like, sometimes the inconsistency gets me. Um, I, I watched the ones on the app last night, and the ones, it was very difficult to tell if because – there is at least a question watching it last night for me and looking at the replays if the puck was already over the line by the time Zucker's stick got there. And I was wondering uh, if that was the answer, but I haven't seen like anything to confirm that or say no to that. 
Um, you know, I have to tell you this. The only bad thing about watching that replay so many times last night is I'm already sick of the Mitch Burger commercial. I, I was like, every time I watched the highlight, that commercial came on. It was, it was enough already. I was like tapping out with no moss by the end of it. Yeah, if you watch TV enough, you get those Ozempic commercials too. Um, those are fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, I also, by the way, there was another call last night that, and it won't get as much attention because nobody got ejected for it, but it was in the Calgary-LA game in the last 12 seconds. The Flames... Had a had a play, and I and I want to say this. So like, I thought it was offside when like it was it was an empty net goal that they scored that would have made it three to one, and I thought it was offside in real time. So I completely understood why the linesman blew it dead. But when they showed when our guys showed the replays on the Sportsnet regional feed last night, it was onside, and you can't review that one because. Uh, it's called a delayed offside, so the play's dead. Like you can only review a goal if you, if it's scored and the team says, "Wait, wait, wait, that was offside or onside, right?" So this one was a delayed call. You can't review it. And you know, one of the things I know that that, that people have talked about is officials should lean towards saying it's onside, uh, and then you can always overturn it. Mm-hmm. I would just hate to see a. a like, I, like my question I always ask is, how would you like feel if a Stanley Cup was decided by this? And if that goal, if that was 12 seconds left, and then if the Kings had scored to tie it, and maybe Calgary had lost in overtime, as they always seem to do, um, that could have been a, a, a that could have been a rough one. So I was watching that play last night, and like I said, in real time when I saw it, I thought it was offside, so I couldn't blame the official. Um, I wouldn't, but I, I just think we should lean to. These plays are onside, and if they're not, we'll catch them in review. Uh, Elliot Freeman, Hockey Night in Canada, and Third Two Thoughts joining Matt Marchese here on the Jeff Merrick Show. Okay, you're at the Panthers, uh, Panther Skate today, Leaf Skate. Uh, do you have anything further to tell us about tonight's game, which will be on Sportsnet, of course? Well, you know, Ryan O'Reilly's skating a lot. He can't be too far away. Uh, so that's, that's one thing about that today. I have to tell you, I didn't see it, but I talked to Luke Fox about it after. I was talking to another player at the time, but Luke Fox asked uh, Aaron Eckblad or uh, Aaron Eckblad about the um, about the Brooks Kepka oh, thing the yeah. other day. And Aaron Eck, like Aaron Eckblad was not happy about it. Like it really bothered him. Uh, and I saw Luke's tweet about it. And I asked him a bit more, and I guess when the cameras went away, Luke tried to ask him a little bit more about it. Like, I think Luke kind of wondered if it was like a joke that was set up between Kepka and Ekblad. And, and Luke walked away from that, definitely believing there was no joke, and Ekblad did not like it. Oh, the feud that we never knew we needed, Aaron Ekblad and Brooks Kepka. I'm, I'm here for all of that beef. Um, uh, it was, I, I, like Luke said, it was, it was, it was really something, but like O'Reilly looks to me like just from watching him on the ice, he looks pretty close. Um, you know, um, and you know, it's a huge night for the, this is a big one for the Panthers. Like they're running out of real estate. The math is not their friend. Uh, with, with O'Reilly there, uh, how much do you think that once he comes back, that the line shuffling stops and maybe they <laughs> stop going with seven defensemen? 
because it, they're doing it a lot, but I feel like we're inching closer and closer to this is what our lineup is, and we're going to rotate our defensemen to keep them fresh, but we know who we have going into the playoffs here and what the lines look like. Well, it's funny. I asked Stewie about this the other day. I said, I said how many games do you think they need? And he, he said 10. And then I asked the ex on Saturday night, and, and he, I said, how many games do you need? And he goes, three. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I tend to believe Stewie more than Bieksa because <laughs> you know, he's just a more, a more trustworthy person. Um, but uh, uh, I, uh, I think it's interesting. Like, what the Leafs have, what, seven games left, eight games left? I should know this. But, um, you know, I, I think I'm really curious to see when this happens. Like, number one, I'm curious to see where they slot O'Reilly in. Is he back in the same spot he was when he got hurt? Or does he become the third-line center? That's number one. And I think number two, I think we all want to see what these defensive pairs turn out to be. Um, you know, they, uh, I, I think we're all really curious to see, um, like, do they go with, like, a true shutdown pair, Brody and somebody else, or do they keep Brody Riley? I, I think, you know, it's not like us in Toronto to blow everything out of proportion. I, I think we can't wait to blow out of proportion our answers to, to our reactions to that uh, question. I, I got to think, so they only have. I mean, they only have two uh, two games during the week this week. They after the national game, they have the one tonight and they have the one Saturday. So, uh, like you know, I'm wondering if next week they start to trot out exactly what they're doing here. Uh, I've got about a minute ten here, so I need like a quick thirty. Do you think that Matthew Nyes yeah. is with this with this team um, after he, his season is done with Minnesota? Oh. I'm unquestionably yes. I, I think this is. I think this is. This is pretty much a done deal. Um, I think he wants to come. I think they want him to come. You know, the only thing would be if they somehow have a contract issue, which I don't expect to happen. Um, I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on this. I think we may be expecting a little bit too much, but there's no question. This is a talented kid, and he's going to be a big part of the future. That I do not disagree with. Elliot, uh, I bid you adieu. Thank you for jumping on here, and uh, have a fun day off tomorrow. I, I'm so excited. Like a day where I don't have to talk to you or Jeff. Like, it's a miracle. Yeah, it is a miracle. Uh, the festive is a miracle in March. <laughs> we like those. Uh, there he goes, yeah. Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. A big thank you to all my guests that joined me on the show today. Liam McHugh from NHL on TNT, Billy Jaffe from Nesson Hockey, uh, the Morning Brew Podcast and NHL Network, and, of course, Elliot Friedman, who you just heard. That's it for us today on the Jeff Merrick Show. Uh, no show again tomorrow. Just a reminder, but Jeff will be back in the chair on Friday. Thank you to everybody behind the glass. General Nick, Lance Kennedy, and uh, to everybody that listened. Have a great rest of your day today. We'll talk to you on Friday.